we got a couple more offensive position previews with the offensive line and the running back position coming to you. We've got a couple more things that we're going to talk about with what Brent Venables had to say. And we got a top five from a 2023 offensive lineman on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, Sooners Nation, and welcome to Locked On Sooners. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. And joining me today, as he does every day, is Josh Helmer. You can follow Josh on Twitter at JoshOnRef. You can also hear him Monday through Friday from 9 to noon on the Ref 94.7 in Norman, 1400 Sports Talk in Oklahoma City. Josh, how you doing, sir? What's going on, man? Doing, doing just fine. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm ready for this uh, spring weather to fully kick in. Our my daughter's got her first soccer match this Saturday, so I'm really hoping for a uh, a nice warm day. Our first match last year, I about gave her frostbite, so hoping it's going to be a little bit warmer day. Uh, today's episode, let me tell you about that. It's brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. Josh, we're going to continue touching on positional previews. We're going to start up front with the big guys that they don't get all the glory, but they make a lot of things happen with the offensive line. Yeah, and obviously Oklahoma's in the business of replacing a pair. Marquise Hayes, Tyrese Robinson, uh, both electing not to return to Oklahoma, putting their names into the 2022 NFL draft. That's, man, I, I don't have the numbers right here in front of me that – um, those two combined for, but that's a lot of combined starts between those two that Oklahoma is replacing. Yeah, there's you know some returning guys for Oklahoma and some talented returning guys for Oklahoma, but certainly those two, the void there, it'll probably be felt at least initially. Yeah, it's not quite the same as losing a guy like Creed Humphrey to the NFL draft like they did a year ago, but it is a lot of snaps. It's a lot of experience that they brought to the table in in a for a team last year that was in a big transition that was that had three guy or three spots on the offensive line that were up for grabs seemingly for the first month of the season but yeah losing those two guys it hurts now they're helped a little bit by the transfer portal we got McCade McTower uh that's going to come in and presumably will will take over at left guard for Marquise Hayes uh what do you think is going to play out there now Brent Venables has said everything is up for grabs there's no depth chart it's a competition right out of the gate. Bill Biedenboe basically said, we brought him in here to start, but he's got to go out there and earn it. What do you think is going to happen with, with McCade? Is he going to get the start at left guard? I think it'd be a big surprise if he doesn't. He, over the last three seasons, and remember one of those seasons for Cal with everything that was going on with the way the Big Ten Conference handled things and the way the Pac-12 Conference handled things, remember in the COVID season, didn't know if either of those two conferences were even going to play football. And was it as late as November when the Pac-12 finally booted off its season? If not, it was, you know, it was early November or late October. Anyways, so McCabe Battaglia didn't start a ton of games that season just because I think Cal only played, what, four or five games that season, but had 26 starts, I believe, at left guard 
at Cal. So, I mean, he started a lot of Power 5 football. No, that's not starts at Oklahoma. He's going to still have to come in here and earn this thing. But he would be your odds-on favorite to win at least one of those jobs up front for Oklahoma just because, again, I mean, he's so experienced. Yeah, and that's going to make a difference because a lot of your depth on the offensive line is younger, hasn't played a ton because of the guys that you had that just left. And Marquise Hayes and Tyrese Robinson, those guys, left. they left for the NFL because they played a lot and they played really, really well. Along the offensive line returning, you also have Anton Harrison at left tackle, Andrew Rame at center, and Chris Murray at right guard. Do you feel like those guys are going to be the odds-on favorites to win starting jobs going into the fall? Well, I think Rame is – you can pretty well lock that one in. He'll be the starting center for Oklahoma. Feel that way about Chris Murray too. And if there was one that I had to pick, maybe it's not totally his job, then Anton Harrison, if uh, Wanye Morris really, really improves, if one of these other younger tackles comes along. But probably you're right in feeling pretty safe that all three of those guys, along with McCabe Metallier, are going to be starters for Oklahoma along the offensive line. And so that kind of leaves us at right tackle where it's pretty much up for grabs. You mentioned Wanya Morris maybe competing for the job at left tackle. I figure, figure he could fit into the right tackle competition as well, along with a guy like Savion Bird and with Bray Walker, who returned from the transfer portal. A lot of guys that are going to factor into potentially that right tackle position. That's one of the interesting things of this spring. If we break down, you know, if we got to do a lengthy list, I'm not sure it would be the number one item for me, just in terms of what I'm personally most excited to watch this spring. But if we, you know, got six or seven different items to watch throughout the spring portion of Oklahoma's schedule, what's going on with the offensive line and specifically the tackle position one of the big storylines for Oklahoma and yeah, all of those guys you mentioned, I think can absolutely factor in and potentially start for Oklahoma. And one of them, one of them, right. is going to have to start for Oklahoma. Got to find somebody. Yeah. And I figure that's probably going to be one of those things that, that carries over at least into the fall and probably into the regular season, kind of like it did at several positions last year, where we didn't really have an answer about who is the starting five. It seemed like for several games into the regular season. And I think that's going to probably be how it plays out a lot at right tackle, because you've got so many different guys who could factor into that position. And a lot of it's just going to be about fit and chemistry and communication as much as it will be just about raw physical talent, because a lot of these guys are talented, but as we've seen in the past, so much depends on communication and chemistry and continuity. But the good news is they've got a really, really solid floor right now. If you're looking at left to right with Anton Harrison, uh, Matawier, and Rame and Chris Murray, if those are four of your five starters at offensive line, you got to feel pretty good about it. I think so, no doubt. And I think Wanye Morris is a really, really talented offensive tackle for Oklahoma. He's got a chance – to win this job, and if that's the fifth starter for Oklahoma, then I think OU's in a really good place entering the season. I would uh, be curious just how all of this plays out, not even just in the spring and in the fall. For Oklahoma, remember, last season wasn't necessarily the greatest season for Oklahoma up front. I mean, under Bill Bedenboe, they've had a Joe Moore award-winning offensive line and I think everybody would agree that save for how Kennedy Brooks ran in the Texas game, 
and you could handpick a couple of other games from last season for Oklahoma. It's not like the Sooners were just mauling people up front on the offensive line. I mean, there were a couple of games in, you know, a couple of those games like Texas Tech where Caleb Williams went crazy throwing the football, so you didn't really need to rely on the run game quite as much. But OU didn't really run it very effectively. If you remember back to that Texas Tech game, like if you wanted to really nitpick that Texas Tech game, that would have been the one item you would have chose is that Oklahoma didn't run the ball super effectively that day. So it's an Oklahoma offensive line that's replacing a couple of guys and still needs to take some step forward, steps forward. So I say that to get to this point. Where we start the season with the starting five, Bill Biedenboe has shown us over the last couple of years, John, that he's willing to be flexible in that starting five to start doesn't necessarily mean that's where we're going to wind up in week 12 and beyond. And it's like we talked about on yesterday's show. There's a lot of guys that are going to have a lot of chips on their shoulders heading into 2022. They've got a lot to prove still. It's a team that we've talked about. I, I feel like where the strength of this team lies isn't necessarily in the star power like we've had in previous years, but it's got a really solid middle. And I think that's what's going to help raise the stakes for a lot of these guys is that there's a lot of players that are very evenly matched on this team. And so it's going to make competing even more interesting because it's not just, hey, we've, we, there's no shot at this job because it, it's Tyrese Robinson's job or it's Marquise Hayes' job. It's a lot of guys who are going to be able to, to earn a spot at a lot of positions, not just on the offensive line, but a lot of places. Uh, and, and we'll talk about one of those places next when we talk about the running back position because it's just as interesting, I think, as any position group because, yeah, we have some guys returning, but we've got some pretty talented players coming into the fold as well. No doubt, yeah. The, the youngsters coming into that group, obviously they've got a chance here to see some playing time straight away, and a lot of that's because of what you've – lost in the running back room yep and we're going to talk about that after i talk to you about run your pool hey i'm sure your brackets busted just like mine it's my brackets terrible i don't like playing brackets because i don't usually do very well but over at run your pool you can still get in on the action with the sweet 16 pool at runyourpool.com slash locked on along with sweet 16 brackets run your pool offers square pools yes just like the super bowl to keep things interesting every week of the tournament Brackets bust, but the fun doesn't have to stop. They have options to edit scoring, and they offer more intel to make your picks than the major media sites. All stuff you won't find at ESPN or CBS. If you're looking to expand your horizons, Run Your Pool has games for just about every single sport, including the NBA, PGA, Major League Baseball, and even the Oscars. Once the madness ends, try something new. Plus, they offer full white glove customer support, custom branding, and one of the easiest three-minute setups you'll ever find. Clearly, we believe in Run Your Pool because we're running Survivor and Bracket Contests there this year ourselves. So start your second chance, Sweet 16 Pool, and more at runyourpool.com slash locked on. That's runyourpool.com slash locked on. And you can still get in on, get in on the action over at Stat Hero as well. If you're having a, a great time in March Madness and you're loving the single game pickums over at Stat Hero, keep going. They offer opportunities to pit star players from your favorite teams against each other in an amazing hybrid between fantasy and sports gambling. You can start focusing on the players that you know best with a gameplay that doesn't rely on big spreads, long odds, or funky props. And in addition to their pick'em games, they also have dozens of lineups that you can comb through to take on head-to-head. -head. They simply post sets of players for you to take on with a set of players that you choose and you can win. 
Over at Stat Hero, people are winning four times more often. Why? Because Stat Hero eliminates the mystery about who or what you're going up against. Their sleek gameplay will have you playing in minutes. And this is what daily fantasy was meant to be. So sign up for free right now at stathero.com slash locked on and use promo code locked on for a 100% deposit match. That's stathero.com slash locked on and use that promo code locked on for a 100% deposit match. Terms and conditions apply. And thank you for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, and you can subscribe over on YouTube as well. Join the conversation with us over there. We love interacting with our, our commenters, our repliers, and drop a question in there that you might want to have Josh answer on the show. So hit us up over there. Josh, let's talk about running backs. A very intriguing group. Eric Gray is the leading rusher returning from 2021 Marcus majors coming back into the fold after a, a really interesting year for him was deemed academically ineligible last off season, uh, just ahead of the regular season, but came back late in the season. And then you got Javante Barnes, Gavin Sawchuk, and then several intriguing walk-on players and Tawi Walker, Jaden Knowles and Todd Hudson. Give me just your first impressions of this group heading into spring. Does it feel like, they have a bona fide star going into the spring or heading into 2022. Doesn't mean that Oklahoma can't wind up with a star running back. I think there's definitely some talent with just the four scholarship guys that Oklahoma is going to have. But I feel, I feel things are a little murkier for me versus you think back to, okay, well, yeah, Ramondre Stevenson had the suspension, but you had that waiting in the wings eventually a couple of seasons ago. And then I was a lot higher than some of the other folks I heard out there this time last offseason when folks were sort of saying, well, will we see the same Kennedy Brooks? I thought that, you know, you had a, a Kennedy Brooks coming back that was, you know, twice a thousand yard rusher. And ultimately, what did we see last season? We saw Kennedy Brooks become a three time 1,000-yard rusher at Oklahoma. So you don't have that type of stability going into this season. I'd like to see Eric Gray take a big step forward. I like some of the flashes we've seen from Marcus Major, but again, it's been just that. It's flashes for Marcus Major and very rarely in meaningful snap scenarios for Marcus Major. So there's some question marks here. I'm excited about the two guys that they've signed in Javante Barnes and Gavin Sawchuk. I think potentially, really, I think that's where your real star power is at, is with the two freshmen that you've signed. And it's going to be interesting if Eric, to see if Eric Gray and Marcus Major can hold them off long enough. You know, uh, Brent Venables talked about it in, on Monday in his media briefing. He, he basically said, you know, Javante Barnes is a great player, but I'm, we're not asking you to come in and rush for 1,000 yards. Don't even worry about that. Just make sure you get in the right stretch line. Like, now he was using him as an example <laughs> Uh, sorry, Javante. That I mean, he he wasn't singling you out, but he was just using you as an example. But yeah, these these two young guys are gonna factor in some way because you can't just rely on two running backs an entire year. I think we saw some of that last year, and it didn't really play out very well. Eric Gray is a really interesting phenomenon because he came in through the transfer portal last year and. I think he was the guy that most people were buzzed about. Like they were really, really excited about what Eric Gray might be able to do. And I was like, I was a lot like you. It's like, y'all quit sleeping on Kennedy Brooks. This is guy is one of the best runners in the Big 12, if not in the country. And he's fresh. Like, don't underestimate the power of being fresh coming into a season. And 
Eric Gray got a lot of looks, got a lot of touches early in the season, and then it just kind of dissipated as the season went along. And I don't know if it was just they didn't trust him in certain protections, they didn't trust him in the passing game, what it was, but it, there's definitely an electric playmaker there just waiting to scratch the surface. We, I mean, he he saw that we saw that at Tennessee, and that's why we were so excited about getting him at Oklahoma. It just never really materialized on a consistent basis. And so that's one of the things that I'll be really looking forward to this offseason and into the fall is how does Jeff Levy unlock the potential that Eric Gray has because he's a player that can break a big play every time he touches the football. You mentioned Marcus Major. To me, that was that's very much a what? How are you not giving him more touches? Not not because he's like the best running back, but in a in certain games, especially against Baylor, Oklahoma State, Iowa State, when you need a physical presence, who could you turn to? But Marcus Major, like this is a guy that, I mean, running with the energy that he runs with and the physical presence that he runs with, that's the kind of stuff that like inspires a team a little bit. When you need a boost, you need a lift, get that dude the ball and let him just pound at guys. Now, he's not the Ramondre Stevenson style of physical runner, but he's going to run into people, and he's going to run really, really hard. And that kind of stuff, it it helps to lead players. And so I'm really – I think if there is a player that could have a breakout season from this group and become like that three-down back, Marcus Major, I think, has the, the potential because – he just really hasn't had the the full opportunity yet. Now, some of it to, because of his own making, some of it because they've had a lot of talented running backs on the roster. But I really think he has the potential to be a three-down runner, someone that you can rely on for 20 carries a game. I don't think Eric Gray is a guy that you're going to give the ball to. as a. a you're, you might give him 20 touches in a game, but it'd be like 12 carries and eight targets or something like that. Marcus Major, I think, is a guy that could carry the workload for this team just because of his physical ability and his size and the way he runs. I, I think that that could bode well for them if they decide to use him that way. Now, a lot's going to depend on how the spring plays out and how these guys perform in practice. But to me, he's the most intriguing guy. I, I still want to see what Eric Gray has to offer. I think he could be a really effective back on a 10 to 15 touch basis. And then, yeah, the young guys, they're going to have an opportunity because you, you're you not going to play with just two running backs in a given season. Running backs take a lot of you know hits. They take a lot of beatings. And so those guys will get opportunities. Which one rises to the occasion and is kind of going to be the first one off the bench in those situations? That's going to be really interesting to see. Marcus Major, to your point, seems like the kind of guy that third down in half a yard, third down in a yard, third down in two – He's that punishing type of runner. Like every time we've seen him, and I probably slighted him a little bit ago with what I said, that it hasn't necessarily been in the most meaningful of spots. It's true. Well, it is true, and I think it's fair to say, but I don't want to also by saying that detract away from the fact that when we've seen Marcus Major in games, dude is a punishing runner, right? Mm -hmm. Like that is the way to describe – Marcus Major. He gets downhill. He doesn't shy away from contact. He embraces it. And he likes to hit people, man. And you need that in some of those short yardage type situations. And I think there's a great chance that Marcus Major not only can be that guy for Oklahoma this season, but just given what we saw a year ago from Eric Gray, which again, going back to some of the comments you made just a moment ago, 
Eric Gray last season, John, if you think back, he was the guy that was getting the bulk of the carries through the West Virginia game. Now, I don't think he – I think there was one of those games in there mixed in where maybe Kennedy Brooks had the same amount of carries or had more carries than Eric Gray. But through the first four games, it was clear. Oklahoma went into last season, I think, with the intention of Eric Gray being its leading running back. And ultimately, a couple of things happened. Eric Gray didn't really take the job and totally run away with it. No pun intended. But Kennedy Brooks also was so good that eventually it's like, well – we got to give Kennedy Brooks the football. This yeah. guy's he's just carving up too many chunks of yardage. We have to give him the football. So I think that the running back job is absolutely there for the taking for Marcus major to be the main guy. I will say this for Eric Gray though, Jeff Levy offensively, the way he constructs things, John, I think that they can do him a big service by not trying to make him all the time. This in between the tackles guy It's okay with a runner like Eric Gray to schematically dial some things up where you get him off tackle, where you run him on some end arounds, where you use him a little bit more in the passing game versus just as strictly a runner in between the tackles. So I think Oklahoma failed Eric Gray in some respects last season. I know that Eric Gray wants to be regarded as a do-it-all running back. I mean, everybody wants that label, right? They don't want to be regarded as somebody that – quote-unquote, can't run in between the tackles. But I think less of Eric Gray in between the tackles could really benefit his productivity next season. And just giving him the opportunity to thrive in situations where he might work better. Like you said, get him out in space. And I, I, I just don't think they did that enough. We saw it in, in on several occasions where he'd make a big play in the passing game when they swung the ball out. But they weren't super creative with how they got him involved in the passing game either. It was all just checkdowns or just that that swing pass you know as he broke away to to the sideline where's the texas route where's you know some some big uh um wheel routes like where are you getting them the ball down the field where he can get into space and make guys miss i don't know i and then again back to marcus major this has become the marcus major segment so shout out to marcus major um i think back to the florida bowl game um you know two seasons ago now where he had I can't remember how big of a run for a TD it was, but it was a huge play. It was like more than 50, 60 yards. If I remember right, it shows you like, not only can he be the punisher that we've talked about, but he's also got big play ability. And I think that's what you're looking for in, in a three down running back, somebody who can create a big play in any situation that he touches the football. And so it's going to be really exciting to watch. I think this offensive line, it looks solid as things start right now, the running back group, we got questions about it and how it's all going to kind of transpire, but it's got a decent floor. I feel like in its potential production and pr- productivity, we know that Jeff Levy is going to run a ton of plays and he's going to try and keep a balanced attack, which I think is going to bode well for both the passing game and the running game as well in that having balance helps everybody out. Oklahoma is going to be, here's sort of how I evaluate Oklahoma's running backs where we stand right now going into the spring and heading into 2022, just with what we know right now, Oklahoma's good at running back. Do they have a chance to be great? That's the question I'm trying to figure Mm -hmm. out. Can one of these guys be one of the star running backs, not just in the big 12, but in all of college football, the answer to that for me is not no, but it is maybe 
at this point. It's not a definitive yes for me. And I'm so intrigued, like I said earlier, about what both Javante Barnes and Gavin Sachuk can bring to the table because just the simple fact that, you know, we say all these positive things about how they can use Eric Gray or the type of punishing runner that Marcus Major is. Well, neither one of those two guys has got this job locked up. It's right. open for business. So I'm excited to see if either Barnes or Sachuk can seriously toss their name in, into the hat to be somebody that's getting legitimate carries. Because to me, that is a very real possibility for both of those guys. And that's the best part of spring ball is we get to see, can one of these guys emerge and be at the top of the depth chart when they break for summer workouts and then fall camp. And we'll continue to follow that along here on locked on Sooners. Next, we're going to get into a couple more things that Brent Venables had to say in his media appearance and a four-star offensive lineman is narrowing his list. We'll talk about it after I tell you about Bill Bar. Bill Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. Easy to eat, 100% covered in chocolate. It tastes great, and it's great for you. Anywhere from 130 to 180 calories, 4 or 5 grams of sugar, just 4 or 5 grams of net carbs, and as much as 17 or 18 grams of protein. And they've got great flavors like the mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and that coconut brownie chunk. You can't go wrong. If you like fruity flavors, also they've got a, one called Cherry Barcia, which is uh, it provides a great like tang and chocolate which it's just a nice mixture of flavors that have a party in your mouth. So go to built.com, use promo code locked 15, get 15% off your order over at built.com using promo code locked 15. And Josh, Brent Venables is just a, a master of the press conference. He drops so many little nuggets and great stories uh, into an hour long press conference. It's hard to, kind of narrow it all down and focus on one but i got a couple more clips for us that i'd love for us to listen to uh the first one's just talking about how he goes into kind of constructing his team and one of the first things that he does as the coach and as the coaching staff i think you have to be intentional um you know again meet guys where they're at um but you gotta you gotta strain the ones that you think um as this as we go through this process the ones that need to <clears throat> grow up faster. You can't ask guys to do what they're not able to do. Well, that's just what we do. No, that's not how it works. You know, to me, um, to be successful, you got to figure out quickly, um, you know, strengths and weaknesses, uh, you know, whether that's, um, you know, in your personnel and try to, you know, enhance those strengths, uh, improve the weaknesses, attack the, the weaknesses every day. Um, there's got to be a lot of um, awareness in, in what we're doing, a lot of purpose every day as a staff, and what we're seeing, what we're evaluating, and um, and, and and again, to me, uh, you know, knowing that okay, we lack some experience. Okay, then make sure that whatever it is that we're doing, we're meeting our guys where they're at. We're trying to take them to places they can't take themselves. And then, again, know that this is a process. This is the get ready phase of our program. You know, we got get ready, we got transformational, we got prime time, and then we got championship phase. And so, again, getting our guys to focus on the target. Okay. So first thing that stands out there is focusing on strengths and then trying to improve weaknesses, meeting guys where they're at and not asking them to do things that they're not able to do, man. I, so I love to coach. I've coached lacrosse. I've coached roller hockey. When my little brothers played, I've coached um, soccer for my daughter, I coached baseball. Some, I feel like what happens a lot of times in football 
is coaches get so locked into this is my scheme. This is the way I, I coach. This is how we call offense, how we call defense. This is what we're, we're doing. And they don't spend enough time trying to figure out how to fit the players they have into their scheme or how to mold their scheme to best benefit and utilize the players they have. This was music to my ears. Yeah, that is positive to hear that, right? Let's figure out what are we good at? Like, what are the skill traits of this team? What kind of a quarterback is Dylan Gabriel? What routes does Dylan Gabriel like? Who are, who are some of Dylan Gabriel's targets that he's most comfortable with? And in the moments that we need him to feel comfortable and complete a big pass, what are some route concepts that he and said favorite target – what do they connect well on, right? Like that's just one example offensively. And you could take that correlation or make an analogy on a lot of different things, football ways, football wise for Oklahoma. Yeah. You, you should know, Hey, what are our strengths? What are our weaknesses and how do we call plays to utilize said strengths? And what can we do to try and minimize or eliminate some of our weaknesses? How can we get better and how can we avoid some of those pitfalls? The thing that sticks out to me a lot of times when I'm, when I'm hearing this or when I've listened to this over the last couple of days is Perry on Winfrey talking about his experience at the senior bowl when he and Isaiah Thomas tried to run a stunt one time and the New York jets defensive coach was like, what are you doing? Just go rush the passer. And he's like, really? He's like, yeah, just go rush the passer. There's no need for you to run stunts. Just get up field. And Perry on Winfrey was like, that's the first time like I felt free to just go play. And that's, and again, that's no criticism to Alex Grinch. Alex Grinch had a really solid defense that improved Oklahoma's defensive capabilities during his time. But this is kind of what Brent Venables is talking about. Like, let's use what you do well, which for Perry on Winfrey, it was his get off and his ability to get up field and attack the quarterback. When you run him on a stunt that makes him go around the tackle to get to the quarterback, you're not taking advantage of what he does best. And yes, it might free up Isaiah Thomas or one of the other edge rushers to get to the quarterback a little bit quicker. But again, you're taking Perry on Winfrey away from what he does best and moving him out of the play. So I, I, again, music to my ears. Love it. You mentioned Dylan Gabriel figuring out ways to utilize his skill set and that of his wide receivers in the best way forward. And I, I, again, I hope this translates to Marvin Mims because I think putting him in the slot while he can be effective in the slot, I don't think that utilizes his skill set as well as it could be as an outside wide receiver. I don't think you have to iron down Mims into one spot or the other or, or the sure. other. I think that that's one of the things that we've kind of heard from Cale Gundy of late is there is no inside and outside right now. Okay. So there's going to be slot guys and there's going to be outside receivers, but in terms of inside and outside receiver coach, there isn't that situation going on at Oklahoma right now. Cale Gundy is the wide receivers coach. So I think, to what you're talking about there, that could potentially behoove Oklahoma to where they start getting creative in the sense, well, maybe we don't always have to play Mims inside or insert, you know, whichever wide receiver you want to pick. I think having that type of versatility with those guys to mix and match and move those guys around a little bit to find favorable matchups, you got to do that. And that gets right back to everything we've talked about right here that Brent Venables was saying being adaptable, right? Being adaptable to your personnel and being adaptable to what other teams are trying to 
due to you, both offensively and defensively, being able to adjust. And I think we're seeing some of that come through in what Brent Venables talks about in the coaching cohesion. I think having one wide receiver coach really makes the most sense. Like I get that you, you have a lot of wide receivers and you got to figure out ways to coach them all. And you need multiple coaches at times, but having an inside coach and an outside coach, I feel like that just creates a, a potential dichotomy where you have two different philosophies in the same offense. And it, I don't know, it just, it just creates a break. You don't see that at the NFL level. You have one wide receivers coach. And you might have like an assistant wide receivers coach, but the philosophy comes from the one wide receivers coach. So I like that they've kind of streamlined that a little bit, but Brett Vittles talked a lot about cohesion and how well the, the staff is fitting together. He's liking the progress they're making as a group and as a, as they build relationships and get together with one another. But he understands that based on his experience, how things have started aren't necessarily always the way things have gone or ended. One of our first staff meetings back in 1999, uh, where we all we were out of the residence inn. Uh, we had some good times over at the resident residence inn. Our staff meetings that were over there. Remember, there's some trailers out here. There was no full-time football facility yet. So through whatever it was, December, January, we were staying at the residence inn, and then we were on the road recruiting. And so our our uh, uh, staff development time, if you will, was done over at the residence inn, usually in, in uh, Mangino's room. He was the godfather. And uh, so, But our first staff meeting here at uh, Oklahoma, probably have heard the story to some degree in this first time that Mike Leach and uh, Mangino are talking, quote, unquote, ball. And, uh, you know, uh, Leach is he's a man of few words and uh, Coach Stoops is introducing everybody, and he introduced Coach Mangino as the uh, run game quarter, uh, coordinator and uh, co-offensive coordinator. And, and uh, somehow, some way, we got on the ball plays. And then, like, in, in one of uh, uh, the staples of uh, uh, Mark Mangino's offense is to run the power. So you block down, you double, and you, you, you kick out, and then you pull the guard around. And, um, well, that was not in the, – the power was not in Mike Leach's offensive playbook. Uh, and uh, so after – Mangino tells him, you know, what he's going to practice. And he can't wait to put that in and out of the spread concept. And, you know, Leach is standing there with his coffee and he, he, he says, well, you can practice it all you want. I'm not calling it in the game. And he was like, that's it. So that was the first staff meeting. So that didn't go off very well. But as you all know, it ended up pretty good. So uh, uh, one year later, we win the national championship. What a great story. Like, if we didn't get anything else out of that Brent Venables press conference, if we got that story, that would that would have been worth every penny. So good. So good. I love yeah. it. Just pulling the curtains back and teaching us a little sooner history there. So funny. Yeah. You know, you know the the best part about that entire clip, obviously the story itself, but was Brent Venables making a quip? about Mike Leach being a man of few words. Like, was that yeah. serious? What was that? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I heard that too, and I thought, he must be kind of being sarcastic right now. But because we don't know Venables maybe that well, it's it, you can see it, it's him playing it straight. But I thought he was being a little bit sarcastic. But it, maybe he is a man of few words when it comes to football, but he'll talk your ear off when it comes to pirates and Halloween candy or whatever else. But, yeah, I thought that one was really, really interesting too. And, and knowing what we know about Mike Leach now two decades later – that just, I don't know, I can just see that whole scenario playing out. 
him and Mangino getting into it about the the power run game and the spread offense. But that was, I just thought that was going to be a lot of fun the way they end the show uh, tonight. And um, yeah, it's it's just cool to to always see those um, those interactions or hear about those interactions, even if you didn't get to be there. Poor Mark Mangino, man. He must have blown a gasket, and I don't blame him. I would have been frustrated, too. Here I give you this incredible presentation about the power run game, <laughs> and you tell me we're not going to run the play? Unbelievable. Right, right, exactly. Hey, and that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Sooners. Thanks so much for tuning in and subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. You can subscribe for free on every podcast platform. We're also available on YouTube, so make sure you go and subscribe there. For Josh, I'm John Williams. We'll catch you next time. Boomer sooner.